Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes to soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 87. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Channing Tatum's sense of humor, Stone K. Brown's laser stare, and Bradley Whitford's smarmy half-smile. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. There's a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks, so welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observation. So somehow I misplaced my coffee yesterday while I was kind of cleaning out my house. And normally I get mad, I get frantic. There's nothing worse than losing something that you know you had two seconds ago, and you're like, I've only been two places. How could I not know where it is? It's like, I'm stupid. This is stupid. You're dumb. You start beating yourself up internally. You're like, oh man, like if this is this is how I deal with a coffee cup, how can I deal with life? And then you know, curl up in a ball and cry, take a cold shower, you know, naked, kind of shaking in the corner, Jim Carrey style. But this time I just smiled through it and kind of just took a deep breath. And I just kind of tried to like rewire my brain by like smiling and just going at half speed so it wasn't like too frantic. Just kept retracing my steps and bam, like 20 minutes later, I found it cold. And in my in the mug in the closet behind some napkins. And normally cold coffee is gross. It was delicious. It was like the best coffee I ever had because it was earned. And it's all about perspective. Like I could have been sad or annoyed that it was cold or that I had just spent 20 minutes retracing my steps to find coffee. But I was just joyful that I had it all. And also I love that cup. Like the cup, my girlfriend Selena got it for me. It's this porcelain, like baby Yoda drinking tea with two hands kind of cup that you know you put your both hands on it it's warm but it's not too hot it's a nice color it's a nice like grayscale and i just love that cup it just like relaxes me even holding it like i don't even need anything in it i could just pretend like i'm three having a tea party with it and it just calms me down so so glad i have it and also i love a good dunkin donuts medium roast coffee i mean i was pretty apprehensive i thought all coffee tasted the same up until like 3 4 years ago my dad's addicted to Dunkin' Donuts coffee. He gets like four a day or three a day. And he knows like everyone at the Dunkin' Donuts knows him. He has the app all set up. I think he's an iced coffee medium with cream kind of guy. I don't know if he does cream anymore. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I'll have to ask him. But I was like, whatever. You don't need to pay more for coffee. But you need to pay more for Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Delicious. It's creamy. It's buttery. I like it. And so that was my victory for the day. You know, what I mean, that's uh, I like I chalked it up. I was like, Monday's a win. Yeah. So in other news, also I've been murdering two to four 80s movies a day for this 80s movie podcast. I'm working on with my friend Mo. And it's weird what information sticks with you with each movie when you're rapid firing through them. Like yesterday, I watched Dirty Dancing, which you would think, you know, 87 Patrick Swayze, class conflict, dance, classic movie. You think I'd take something out of it like, you know, don't judge people who are different than you or dancing is great, which annoys me because I can't dance. So that, that fires me up even more. And it always makes me respect them because they can dance. But it makes me feel sad that I can't even do like the 10 and 2 like Will Smith uh, from Hitch thing. But the main takeaway I had from the movie was when Johnny, who's Patrick Swayze's character, declined a $100 tip in 1963 so that he could show Baby that he was her man. And I had to Google immediately, like the inflation rate that that $100 would be worth today. That $100 would be worth $879.63 today. So I'm really impressed with Johnny and weirded out that what I took away from the film that I just needed to know 
how much his love was worth <laughs> or that what a, what a hundred dollar tip was in 1963. I just needed to know, or I saw this movie better off dead, which is really weird, really fun. Like it makes fun of high school movies and it's kind of insane. It's almost like an acid trip, but I couldn't get over the fact that it was directed by this guy named Savage Steve Holland. Like that's his name on the, the credits. And I had no idea you could wrestler nickname yourself in the credits. So that made me think what would be my wrestler like director name. And I go Mad Max, maybe Sandman Sanders, the Colonel, because like, you know, Colonel Sanders, or I had a nickname in middle school. They call me Taco Neck because when I would take pictures, I would tip my head to, the, head to the side because it looked like I was eating a taco, I guess. That's probably not, I mean, that'd be a weird one. Taco Neck Sanders, you'd be like, what the hell? What kind of movie am I seeing? That, or maybe you'd be intrigued. You'd be like, a guy named Taco Neck made this. So from now on, you can refer to me as Taco Neck. But anyways, uh, all the 80s movie watching got me thinking about who really sticks out as an actor or actress during this time period. Like, who am I vibing with? Who am I excited to see when he or she is starting in, starring in the next movie? And the person who was my number one pick of enjoyment was Mr. Michael Keaton. So let's talk about his career because it's an interesting one. There's just ups, there's downs. It's very roller coastery. You're not sure. He never gets like a full footing on complete stardom. And once in a while, he'll have a good role and then he'll bomb a few. But his talent always shows through. I'm always happy when he's on screen. He's got this magnetism and kind of everyman quality. And he's also really funny. And he's strangely handsome too in a weird kind of... Jim Carrey mixed with someone more serious kind of way. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I just want to talk about him. So, and to start talking about him, I wanted to talk about him and Tom Hanks, because I guess in the eighties, they were pretty much competing for roles. I think Michael Keaton turned down splash to uh, do Mr. Mom. And they were just, they were, they were competing for the same roles. They kind of had the same vibe, like the funny guy next door, who was also handsome and could do serious acting. And, you know, in the 80s, they were pretty much hand in hand, like one or the other kind of thing. And then Tom Hanks has this epic 90s run. And I think it's the best 10 year run of any actor ever. I'll definitely do a pot on that who had the best 10 year run ever. And it might be Tom Hanks. And it might be biased because it is from 1990 to 2000. So it's nice and even, you know, we like our even numbers. But I mean, this is what he turns in Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Sleepless in Seattle, A League of Their Own, Apollo 13, Toy Story, The Thing You Do. Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Mail, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Castaway. I mean, that's insane. That's like, I think every one of those made at least $100 million, which is unheard of. And I mean, Forrest Gump's like a forever movie. A League of Their Own is really fun. Apollo 13, classic. Sleep in Seattle, like kind of the birth of the modern rom-com. Toy Story led to billions of dollars in, you know, uh, Pixar, uh, Pixar movies. Castaway. I mean, that's just him carrying a movie. And Saving Private Ryan's like the best World War II movie ever. So it's, it's an insane run. But you know what it was? It's a streak. And it ended. It's like a running back. Who, it's Adrian Peterson. You know, he had five, six years of crazy run. And then he just fell off the face of the earth. And Hanks dominated the 90s. But I enjoy Keaton over the long haul. Like the last 18 years, Tom Hanks has made hot garbage. Like he's made Larry Crown, which is terrible. The Circle, which is like an evil Google movie. Captain Phillips, who cares? Sully, it's a pilot. Da Vinci Code, garbage. I mean, he just made, he's made bad movies. For Charlie Wilson's War was okay. Like he's made bad movies for 18 years, and I think he still gets a pass because we're just like, I like Toy Story, or you know, that's Forrest Gump. But let's, I mean, that's just not fair to me. I think Keaton over the long haul gets the, has the better career. So let's kind of show the rocky, unpredictable, fun road that Michael Keaton went on. And I kind of like that he like goes up and down. It's like 
tanks went all the way up and then crashing down. That's not as fun. Like Keaton over four decades has some really kind of interesting career arcs and peaks and valleys. And that's what life's about. You know, it's about uh, diversity and kind of switching it up. So I guess he was originally a stand-up comedian, which makes sense because it shows in all his work. He can turn it on. He's got the physical humor. He's got a rubber face, got whiplash change of emotions. He can get really grimace and serious if he wants to. Like, is grimace a word or is that the, that's the McDonald's purple guy. <laughs> uh, he can grimace. There you go. Or he can scowl. There you go. That's the, that's the right word. So I guess he was a big TV guy in the late 70s, early 80s. He was on the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore show for an entire season, which big show, a little before my time. Working stiffs I've heard of, but I mean, it seemed like it was big. Report to Murphy is a show I've never even heard of. So might have been big at the time. You know, I mean, there's a lot of shows that like were popular and then forgettable. Then Lightning in a Bottle. He's in 1982's Night Shift as Bill Blade Jawowski. And I hate this movie. It's my friend John Smith's favorite movie. And it's just a bizarre movie. It's Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton uh, as morgue workers who end up being pimps <laughs> and kind of like running a prostitution ring through uh, the morgue. But it's like a happy, feel-good uh, early 80s movie. And it's a weird movie. And I like it doesn't work at all. But he's fantastic. He's just got this weird, high-energy... He's wearing crazy suits. He has these weird rants about things he would invent. Like he wants to put tuna and mayonnaise in the cans so that you don't have to com combine them. He buys like a giant pimp car with like tinted windows. And he's just, he's really strange and really funny. And just probably like the worst business guy you've ever seen, but it works. And you're like, okay, this guy's a star. And then same year he does Mr. Mom. Love Mr. Mom. Could have been made now. It's like, you know, a guy loses his job, his wife goes to work, he has to take care of the three kids at home, let hilarity ensue. And, you know, like I said, with his comedy background, like he gets obsessed with soap operas and he has dreams about it, really funny, like just failing as failing at raising three kids. He becomes a slob. He's wearing the same flannel shirt for two weeks. He grows like the dad beard. And there's, I mean, like he can't even control the vacuum. He accidentally feeds a baby chili. Like there's a renegade washing machine that's about to explode. Like just classic at home foibles that only it's only the right actor that can pull this off. Like I feel like Jim Carrey, Rob Williams. Oh, I'm trying to think who else is super funny. Jonah Hill might be able to pull it off now or Channing Tatum, I think too, actually. So I think it's just, it shows him it's, I mean, the movie's 90% him on the main, on the screen. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it makes me happy. It's just like a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like you're laughing, you're learning, and you don't need to really turn your brain on. You're just like, oh, it's hard to raise kids. It's like, yeah, <laughs> let's watch Michael Keaton do it. And in the 80s, too, I need to see Gung Ho and She's Having a Baby, apparently really good movies. Just saw Beetlejuice, and wow, what a performance. Like, young Ronnie Dangerfield is what comes to mind. He's just going, you know, a thousand miles a minute. He's gross. He's funny. He's intimidating. He's got that kind of scruffy voice like this. Is that, is that a not bad Beetlejuice? I think it's pretty good, actually. That's the first time I ever tried it. So that's how Beetlejuice sounds. You know, he's just kind of laughing, but he's digging it in like just smoke 15 cigars. Yeah, actually, that could that could be one of my voices. All right. Well, I mean, I'm good at voices for like a second, but if I need to like change octave, I get nervous and I freak out and I feel like <laughs> there's someone behind me watching and judging me. So we'll work on that. <laughs> that's for another session. But in the movie, he's only on screen for like 30 minutes. And he's iconic, like the suits that are just the kind of black and white striped, terrible looking suits, the legion on his face, the smile, the voice, like I said. And he's just, I don't know, I, I didn't really, I don't think I even saw the movie, but I had Beetlejuice toys when I was five or six. 
And it's just like, he was just part, I think there was cartoons about him. And it's a, it's a really Tim Burton, weird, fun movie. And it doesn't work without him. So I think it's great. And then after that, it's pretty crazy. So he does that iconic movie and then bam, another one. He does Batman and Batman Returns. And like, no one thought he could be Batman. They're like the funny guy from Mr. Mom. No, the gross guy from Beetlejuice. That's weird. Like he has some serious intensity and like the turtlenecks and just like the scowl. And like when he goes with Jack Nicholson, he's like, want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like perfectly dark and weird and command of the screen. I'm actually, I have a, I have a kind of good Michael Keaton voice, huh? Wow, that's if anything, if I can get anything out of this podcast, is that I can do Michael Keaton kind of. So that's great. That's great. But uh, yeah, so like, I mean, super iconic movies, really fun. And then the 90s happened. 90s are rough to Mr. Keaton. Like, he doesn't really have a hit throughout this. Although, Multiplicity, which in 1994, I love this movie so hard. He's playing four different roles. He's cloning himself three times or four, wait, three times. No, four times. Yeah, he clones himself three times. And it's directed by Harold Ramis, Andy McDowell's his wife. He's kind of like an overrun uh, contractor who needs more time with his family. So he creates more and more clones of himself so he can. Ridiculous premise, but it's kind of that Groundhog's Day. I mean, it's Harold Ramis. Just think Harold Ramis. And this is a classic Harold Ramis movie. And he's, he's great because he's panicky as number one. Number two is like an ultra masculine dude. Number three is kind of the homemaker. And it's pretty clear he's gay. And four is just a uh, five-year-old him. <laughs> and, you know, he's wearing goofy stuff. He's riding a bicycle. And he's like, hey, we're going to eat Dolphin Steve. And he's, ta- he's ta- telling his other self his name is Steve, even though they're all named Doug. It's just so funny. And just, like, feel good, turn your brain off, have fun with it. And so that movie got – I think that movie should have been a hit. That should have – like, there's no reason Groundhog's Day and that that should be a hit, and that shouldn't. That's how I feel. And like I said, in the 90s, lots of stuff i never heard of. It's pretty sad. It's a bummer. I don't know what happened. I mean – he doesn't seem like he has personal demons or anything like that. Maybe he just took bad roles. But uh, Jackie Brown, he's excellent as the no-nonsense leather jacket FBI agent Ray Nicolette, I think his name is. And I mean, but it's like a it's a throwaway role. He's like the ninth. He's like the sixth or seventh lead. Like it's good, but it's not great. So I like the leather jacket though. I want that leather jacket and like a nice white shirt and some jeans. I want to be an FBI agent like Michael Keaton. And he does a ton of cameo and voice work, which is good because he's got a great voice. Like he's on The Simpsons, King of the Hill, Frasier, 30 Rock. He's in Pixar's Cars. He's in Minions. And sadly, in two, I mean, I'm, I hate to say another decade of kind of just wipe it under the rug, but uh, 2000, 2010, there's nothing I even recognize. Like I can't even, I can't even say I saw any of his movies from zero to the aughts, I guess is the term, from 2000 to 2010. And I'm a Keat Knight and just nothing. But finally, 2010, uh, The Other Guys, which is a Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg cop movie. He's playing the captain, like the damn it, guys, I want your badge kind of captain. His name's Gene Mock. But he's he's so weird in that movie. Like he's quotes TLC songs for no reasons. Like he'll like start yelling at them. He'll be like, hey, I don't want no scrubs. Scrub is a guy who can't get no love, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, why are you quoting TLC songs? He just He won't admit that he's quoting them. And he works at Bed Bath and Beyond <laughs> to put his put his kid through dancing school. And he's as funny as Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg on screen. And it's you're just like, man, this guy is funny, and he can hold the screen with the funniest guy in the world at the moment. So there's something to him. So four years go by, nothing much happens, and then, bam, Birdman. He's he's back. Okay, he plays Riggin, and this is like a Tarantino level revival. It's just a washed up actor battling with superhero past, which is basically him. Cause I mean, he wasn't Batman 
And, you know, he's trying to be something else since then. And like the idea of him being Batman haunts him. I think there's huge monologues. There's bloated cast. He should have won the Oscar. He's ranting. He's raving. He's on like the Broadway stage and you get to see like the Broadway side of him. He's talking to himself. Like he's having like a fight club in her monologue. And I mean, I just love this performance and he's just honest and he's not trying to look great. He's kind of like grizzled and faded and he's willing to put all his scars out there. And I mean, he's going toe to toe with Emma Stone, uh, Edward Norton, Zach Galifianakis. I mean, he's just on fire. It's a great, great movie. And it's so weird. And it's so like hallucinatory. And you're not really sure what's going on. And they're playing jazz for some reason. I don't know why they're playing jazz and a lot of close ups on his face. He's got a goatee. And I've never seen him with a goatee before. And I don't know, just it rules. And it's like, okay, Keaton's back. And then he has an epic three-year run, which just made me so happy. Like, thank God. Like, you know, some people you're just like, good, good. I'm glad he's back. So in Spotlight, he's playing Walter Robinson in 2015, which is a hard biopic about the church molesting kids in Boston and the Spotlight uh, Boston Globe articles that kind of expose that. Beautiful movie. And he's playing kind of the, I don't want to dig into this uh, editor who learns along the way. And I find, I mean, I find that fascinating. That's just good stuff. And 2016, I mean, that's a hard movie. Let's go back for a second. (laughs) It's like, for some reason, because it's about the Catholic church and molesting kids, it's just rough to talk about, but he's great. And the movie's excellent. It's rewatchable actually. And it's like, it's an important thing. Sometimes movies are rough to watch. Like I just watched uh, Fatal Attraction last night and, you know, stressed for like four hours afterwards. It was fun to watch, but that's that's not what I'm talking about with Spotlight. Spotlight's just an important movie. So go see it. 2016 the founder love it it's ray Kroc, the guy who basically founded mcdonald's as a you know conglomerate basically and he's a guy you love to hate you know he rips it away from the original mcdonald owners he finds that real estate is the way to go and he basically is just a dick the entire movie but it's like this weird it's like gordon gecko wolf of wall street it's like you hate him but you respect that tenaciousness that it takes to get ahead in america it's this weird your your heart and your brain are fighting about this guy you're like he's a jerk but he started mcdonald's <laughs> you know what i mean it's like geez like he and he went from nothing he was just like a traveling salesman it's not like he started with anything but really fun movie it's on netflix go see it spider-man homecoming plays a villainous vulture uh fantastic good like good role too like he's not just an evil guy he just wants to help support his family after the avengers destroy his business because you know they destroyed new york basically and in that movie, the car scene, like him and Peter Parker in the car, when Peter Parker realizes that he's the villain when he's taking out his daughter and you're like, oh. and it's you don't see it coming because his daughter's black and he's white. And you're like, oh my God, how did I not see that coming? Because his wife's black, but you wouldn't know that. I mean, it's just, it's just a great twist. And it's like a very simple twist. And Keaton plays it perfectly. He's being intimidating with Peter Parker and kind of you know, let him know that he knows that they know that he knows that they both know who they actually are. And you're like, oh man, how's this going to end? Just the movie itself is okay. But like for that scene, it's fantastic. And finally, I mean, I guess this is what jarred me. I mean, I mean, what made me think of this? Uh, he has a commanding five minutes in the trial of the Chicago seven as a former attorney general, Ramsey Clark. He's got this kind of deep, gruff, rough voice and he's pulling his pants up and he's, you know, command of the room they just got this command of the room that i really enjoy and everything he does like you want to watch him he's never to the side or he's never a secondary person you're looking at he's a star always he's a big bright star as dirk diggler would say and now he's got roles in marvel movies coming up including he's going to be old batman in 2022's the flash which is awesome because i mean i've always fantasized about a batman beyond like a real version movie where there's an old bruce wayne training the new 
high tech Batman. And Keaton's the best at that. Like he's just, I mean, Keaton would be the best old Batman ever. And I love, I think he was at a college graduation giving a speech. And at the end of the speech, he goes, I'm Batman. And it's like, yeah, you are. He is Batman. To me, he'll always be Batman. And I guess he's a great Letterman guest too. I don't know that for a fact. I need to look it up, but I listen to Bill Simmons all the time. And he's like, great Letterman guest. One of the best all time. So definitely need to check that out. And he's just fun to watch. He's just a good, he seems like a good guy. And I, I heard an interview that he's kind of over celebrity. Like then that's been for like 20 years. I think it's because he's bombed so much that he's had such a, that he's such a real guy. Now he's not like a, a lister. I'm above it all. I can do anything. He's a, rough and tumble. I've been through the ringer. I've been to the top and I've been to the bottom guy. And I love those guys. That's an American story. And he's an American actor and Michael Keaton, you're my favorite. So thanks for, you know, ruling the eighties, bombing in the nineties and two thousands, except, except multiplicity, which I love and coming back from 2010 to 2020. Something tells me 2020 to 2030 is going to be his. He's going to win a couple Oscars and like, everyone's gonna be like, he's the best actor ever. And Tom Hanks will be doing nothing. You hear that, Hanks? You're being replaced. Keaton rules. Later.